To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Please be seated. Now, just before we get started, there, are, there is a lot of information in these verses, and the sermon will be short. Therefore, we're going to skip over a lot of it, but I hope that I'll, I will get the main point. So, in Revelation 2 and 3, have a series of seven letters that Christ wrote to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And last week, we began by asking the question, whose opinion matters when it comes to the church? Jesus. It's what he thinks of the church that counts. If the world loves us, thinks we're a flagship church that every church ought to imitate, but Jesus doesn't think we're even close to what a church should be, Jesus is right. If those who attend a congregation think or do not think our, our church is healthy, what does Jesus think? That's what matters. Last week, we considered the first three churches, Ephesus lacked love for Christ and each other, and because they lacked love, they ran the risk of Jesus removing the church. Smyrna, church there was experiencing persecution already, but Jesus says to them, be faithful. And Pergamum, they were the opposite of Ephesus. They loved Jesus, but they compromised truth. So love, faithfulness, truth. Today we're going to look at the final four churches and see what Jesus has to say to them. So chapter 2, 18 to 29, the church in Thyatira. I know your works, your love and faith and servant and service and patient endurance, and even their latter works exceeded the first. But they lacked purity. Our result advertises itself as being 99.44% pure. Now, we have a word in English for something that is 99.44% pure. Anyone know what that is? 
impure. That's right. But Thyatira was way less, more than 0.44% impure. I'm not sure it's less or more. They're more than 60, 54% impure. They're less than 0.66. They were way less pure, I think, than Thyatira. They tolerated a woman called Jezebel, a prophetess, or at least one who calls herself a prophetess. And I don't think that many people followed her. And that's why they tolerated her. They didn't affirm her. They tolerated her. But her sin was significant. She, in the name of the deep things of Satan, whatever they were, led people into sexual sin with her. Now, two kings tell the story of the people who were settled in Israel by the Assyrians after Israel's exile. These non-Israelites living in Israel sought to appease the God of the land, i.e. God, but also worshipped their other gods, 2 Kings 17. So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods. They served the Lord, but their worship was anything but pure. And so in Thyatira, they honored Christ, but they tolerated those who did not. Interestingly, Jesus does not tell them to deal with her, Jezebel. He will do that himself. He will throw her onto a sickbed, it says. He will give those who commit adultery with her great hardship, and the children born of her adultery, he will strike dead. He will purify his church. We're going to hear more next week about Jesus as a judge. There is no room for impurity in the church of Jesus Christ. It is not to be even tolerated. And Jesus himself will deal with it. A farmer once cleaned his field of rocks. He took a tractor with a front-end loader across the field, and after a hard, lot of hard work throwing the big rocks into the front end, he got to the end of the field and wiped his brow. Then looking back, he saw all the medium-sized rocks. So once again, he drove across the field, and when he got to the other end, he had a bucket full of stones. But then looking back, he noticed all the smaller stones. So away he went again. God does that. He removed the big stones, the obvious sins, from, from our lives. When the big stones are removed, he deals with the lesser stones. And then the smallest stones, the more subtle sins. There is no room for impurity in the church of Jesus Christ. And so all Jesus calls them to do is hold fast. Cling to the old rugged cross because as long as we're focused on Christ, sin does not have any entry point. So for Jesus' church, he longs to see, he wants to see purity. Chapter 3, Sardis, which Mark just read for us. 
Sardis had been conquered twice, both times due to a lack of weightfulness, alertness. The city was built on top of a hill, so steep that people thought the city was unconquerable. But the forces of Cyrus of Persia in 549 BC and Antiochus in 218 BC, they scaled the walls and found the overconfident sardines had not posted a guard. They had thought an enemy can't make it in here, but they did. And the city of the sardines fell. Okay, they weren't called sardines. I made that up, but it's kind of a <laughs> fun word. I'm not sure what they were called, but not, not sardines. Oh, thank you, thank you. They were asleep at the switch, and spiritually, too. They looked alive. The church looked healthy, but they were a zombie church. Looked alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. But not entirely dead. They were mostly dead. <laughs> Jesus said to them, you are this close, so wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Don't fall asleep on your watch. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. When Kar was in Bangladesh earlier this year, she noticed how many large buildings were only half done. They built until they ran out of the money and then stopped till more money came in. But it seldom did, so the buildings were not complete. The people of Sardis sang, played and sang worship songs, but their heart wasn't in it. Their pastor preached fine sermons, but the spirit of Christ was not the preacher. They were moral, but not godly, and there is a difference. But there's hope. Wake up. Remember what you have seen and heard and repent. But if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you do not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet we still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, soiled. This is significant. Do not just act in rebellion against God, but even just do not move forward. To fall asleep at the switch is to soil yourself. To be content with just enough of God to get by is to soil yourselves. So wake up. Go full out for God. Jesus wants commitment, full allegiance. And here's the thing. In full allegiance, you find freedom. In making your deeds complete in the sight of God, you are complete. Waking up is better than being dead. Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. 
This is one of two letters where Jesus had nothing bad to say about the church. The other is Smyrna. The church in Philadelphia is small. They're being persecuted by the Jews who have dogged the church throughout all the New Testament. And Jesus wants them to be steadfast. Though they are small, though they have little power, nevertheless, Jesus set before them an open door that no one can shut. Maybe it's a door to heaven. We don't know. But their end is secure. Those who are their enemies will ultimately, quote, bow down before them and will learn that God has loved them. They are God's people. And though they aren't many, the final end of God's people is Should I use this one? Okay. We had snow in early September. Now, a snowflake is nothing. It melts in your hand immediately. And compare that to a tree. A tree can stand an astonishing amount of wind. They're rooted. They bend under pressure, but they don't break, usually. But in September, trees bowed and broke under the snow. So in Philadelphia, they were small, they lacked power, but Jesus here promises that they will win. So again, like in Thyatira, hold fast. To him who overcomes, says Jesus, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes out of heaven from my God, and my own new name. We don't know exactly what this means, but there is an air of permanence about it. So be steadfast. And finally, the church in Laodicea. This is the only church of whom nothing good is said. Laodicea was the wealthiest of the seven cities. It, it was known, among other things, for its banks, for its wool manufacturers, and its medicine. And Jesus starts in verse 15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Both cold and hot water are good, have their benefits. But lukewarm water... When we go out for dinner, Kara will almost always start with her meal with hot water with lemon. And at home, we drink water at room temperature or colder. But just water that's warmish, even just even though it's water, it tastes bad. And tepid Christianity makes Jesus gag. He hates it. A passion, a lack of passion, and not caring anything about it. Now, if I ask us here this morning, who considered themselves a lukewarm Christian? Don't raise your hands. Do you think you are? You don't obey like you know as you should. You don't love God like you should. If that bothers you, even a little bit, 
You're not lukewarm. You're not lukewarm. Lukewarm doesn't mean inadequately following Christ. Lukewarm does not mean loving Christ weakly. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, isn't a prayer of a lukewarm Christian. I say that because for too long, Christians have condemned themselves and felt guilty for every sin. God doesn't guilt. He convicts. And his conviction leads to repentance. Lukewarm doesn't care. Lukewarm says, it's okay, God. I got it. Lukewarm comes to church and thinks they're christened, but their lives bear no fruit, and they don't even give it a thought. Jesus wants nothing to do with lukewarmness. The Laodiceans were self-sufficient. We don't need anything, they said. But they had nothing, nothing of value. They were rich with their banks, but Jesus counseled them to buy cold refined in the fire. A market for wool, yes, but Jesus wants them to get from him white garments so that you may clothe yourselves. All the medicine in the world can't help them to see. Only salve from the Lord can do that. But all is not lost. It's never all is not lost. There's still time to repent. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I love you, so please repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He does not force an entry. He knocks. And by the way, this is not a verse that has to do with evangelism of the unsaved. Jesus is knocking on the door of a church. It's possible to do church without God. We don't do that. We're weak, we sin, But as a church, we seek to invite God into everything that we do. It's important for us to realize that. We want more of Jesus, but we're not lukewarm. So what does Jesus want to see in his church? As we are conformed into his likeness, what are the things that should characterize us? Because on one hand, is natural that these things become visible in us, but on the other hand, we can be disobedient and quell these things. So what are these things? From Ephesus, we see that Jesus requires love. From Smyrna, faithfulness. From Bergamum, truth. From Thyatira, purity. From Sardis, wakefulness. From Philadelphia, steadfastness. From Laodicea, passion. In Jesus' opinion, these things matter. Let me pray. I pray very simply, Lord, please, by your grace, 
Help us to be a church after your own heart, a church that is like you. In Jesus' name, amen.